When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Two of Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here as well. The Vikings in camp and life is very exciting now that football has begun. Almost everyone around the league getting going in training camp and Friday. The veterans will be on the field for the first time. Sunday, the pads begin officially They begin popping. Oh yeah, they will be popping. Pop, pop. You know what I can't wait also for camp cliches is when they've practiced for a few days and there's a preseason game coming and someone says, yeah, I just can't wait to get out there and hit somebody else. Yeah, that's my. Uh, it's good to get them out there so they're like going against somebody else. Good to see another team. Good yeah, to see another team. Um, one thing we should really think about, like what's going to be the camp drama this year? Well, I don't In know. terms of, I mean, th- this team has had some unfortunate drama, but right. like I'm talking Rhodes and, or excuse me, yeah, Diggs and Rhodes getting yeah. kicked out of camp last year, and then Diggs chucked the ball like 15 yards into the stands. <laughs> and um, what's the other one that happened? Um, Aviat um, Collins punched Devontae Downs in the helmet because yes. that was a smart idea. Yes. Um, Do we have candidates for a camp fight? There's always one every single year. It was Anton Exum and Laquan, Laquan Treadwell Trevor. two years ago. Who is going to be the candidate for the camp fight? Maybe you could pick position versus position. I mean, it's always like a lineman versus a linebacker or something, right? But but maybe not because it was a wide receiver and a, and a safety before. I don't know. Who's fiery? Like, I don't think Laquan Treadwell is going to get into it with anyone. I would love to see. I could, I could see Rhodes getting into it with somebody again. I could Just see hope he that. doesn't get hurt from it because this could be really bad. Maybe this is the year that we see like Mackenzie Alexander sort of come out of his shell a little bit and get real physical with one of the younger wide receivers. I'm going to go Mackenzie Alexander and B.C. Johnson. Because I don't know anything about B.C. Johnson. <laughs> so then I'll, I'll, do I have to take Dylan Mitchell then? Because I was talking, I was hyping B.C. up earlier, and then you took Dylan Mitchell. That's I'll take Dylan Mitchell here. We, I think we forgot to like officially plant our flags for yeah. Team B.C. is you and Team Mitchell is me. And that's... I know people are going to be like, well, why are you picking it now? It's day one of training So we can camp. yell at each other about it. I mean, that makes for good radio, don't get me wrong. But, um, I mean, we need to pick our Mr. Mankato picks. Are we picking separate things? I'm just kind of confused as to what the process is here. No, I, th- I think what we're doing here, this is not Mr. Mankato. That's a much bigger production, and that will happen later this week. But, we're trying to recreate Boone Thomas. Right. That's Fine. what we're that's what we're doing is Then it has to be among the seventh round receivers because that's the only valid um le- level playing field. Well, it's kind of like the Rodney Adams Stacey Coley from a couple years ago. When they draft two players at the exact same position, you know that both of them probably aren't going to end up playing and being on the roster long term. So we should just pick one and then randomly root for that guy. Plus I talked to Penny Hardaway who Yeah, I mean that is that's pretty amazing. Yeah, he knows Dylan Mitchell really well, and because he amazing. played on Penny's AAU team. Correct, and it was amazing to talk to Penny Hardaway. So I'm just gonna have him be my guy. Anyway, we'll be tracking that closely, I suppose, throughout the off season. Uh, abbreviated hot routes here. I want to throw a couple of headlines at you and some some thoughts and get your reactions. Uh, and then we'll get back to the list that we were talking about and talk about the least interesting position in training camp because I think it will surprise people which one we totally agree on as being the least interesting. Um, but quick, quick hot routes here. 
Adrian Peterson apparently is deep in debt. Which it's like Kanye West level in debt right now. He's been paid more than any other running back in the history of the National Football League, but he is in debt and his lawyer put something out saying that he trusted the wrong people and so forth. My question for you is not about his debt necessarily, but is this it for Adrian Peterson? Because I will admit that I was among the many who thought, I think he's done after last year, after the fiasco in New Orleans, and then he has one or two good games with Arizona, but that was it. I didn't think anyone was going to give him much of a chance, and he ends up, I think he went over a 1,000 yards with Washington last year because they had no quarterback. Is he going to be any good this year? Like, Do you have any expectation at all for what Adrian Peterson is going to be? Well, I think the one thing that you need to factor in there is Darius Geis is healthy. Like, what's that backfield going to look like? Chris Thompson's there, too. I mean, they've got quite a bit of running backs. Um, I wouldn't count Adrian out, though, because every time we do, he rushes for 1,000 yards. I think this year, did he knock his total down to, like, 1,500 yards? Wasn't it, like, I want to be a 2,000-yard receiver? At oh, age? yeah, it's usually, like, I want to be the first 3,000-yard yeah. runner or something, yeah, and then... I think he actually said he's 34 a few years, years ago, old. Like it's yeah. not going to happen this year. Sorry, Adrian. He said a few years ago he wanted 2,500 yards, which is okay. Absurd. That's what it was. Then he um, was going to play for seven more years, which he might. I mean, he could be. He could he very easily that. be the Tom Brady of the running back position. Probably <laughs> I, not. I uh, guess so. it'd be very hard to get to nearly 50 and be playing that position with your body the way it is. But as we found out, his body is made of steel. Um, I think this is a weird situation uh, with the financial stuff that's going to go on. I mean, that's going to require some attention. But realistically, I think this will probably be it for Adrian Peterson. You don't see guys ever at this age being that productive. And, I mean, they like they, they drafted Darius Geis where they drafted him because they expected him to be the future of that backfield. It just was unfortunate in the, you know, last year when he tore his ACL the way he did and how early it was that they never got to see him. So they lucked out with Adrian last year and the production that he had. I mean, but think about the injuries he sustained. Um, if I'm not, I remember that Saints game. Did he not get hurt in the Saints game? Um, there was one game that I remember being like, geez, you cannot take that type of hit at your age anymore. And it's like, how many more of those are going to happen? And he's how, how is he going to be able to react from that? So... I will go out and say it's probably it for him, but if I'm wrong, I'll eat my words. Okay, follow-up hot route on that. Where does Adrian rank all-time running backs for you? Um, when you factor in the fact that he was pretty one-dimensional, but had an unbelievable peak, went over 2,000 yards, should easily go in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, I would think, for Adrian Peterson because he was such a dominant player and the rare running back who could play for as long as he could play. But I don't put him in the top five or top ten. I have him top ten, and I think that uh, Frank Gore's still playing, right? Or did he retire? No, he's still playing. So, he's in Buffalo. So, yeah. So, I mean, he's in my top five. And I think it's kind of... really? Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy where you have two... Ever? Who else would you put above him? Wow. Emmitt Smith, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders. I think of Frank Gore as being the ultimate Hall of Very Good, but played for super long and has these incredible running stats, but was never really that great. I mean, maybe I underappreciate how good he was with San Francisco because he was a legit superstar, but that's just my first impression of Frank Gore is just... Hey, very good, very good player, Hall of Very Good type of guy, but I'm not even sure in my mind that he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I have him in my top five. That's just where I'm at. I mean, I'm looking at it from well, fourth produ- all time in yards. Yeah, production. He's still playing. How is he's older than Peterson, isn't he? She's uh, yes, 36 yeah. or 37, yeah. something like that. Um, I'll go ahead and say Adrian's in my top 10. I don't exactly know where I'd put him. I'd put him in like the LaDainian Tomlinson category. Maybe Eric Dickerson's in there somewhere. Um, the problem was when Adrian was a running back at his prime, you know, drafted in 07 in those like first like five, six years. I mean, the, the era of pass catching backs did not really become a thing until right. he kind of missed the boat on that. And I get why the Vikings didn't want to bring him back two years ago um, and why Dalvin Cook is, you know, if all things go the way he expects them to with his health, he'll finally be able to 
take the reins fully um, and, and show why they drafted him and show why they moved on from Adrian Peterson because he's versatile. And there's one thing with Adrian Peterson, he's a one-trick pony. But I still don't think that means that you can rule him out of your top ten just in terms of production, value. He was this offense here mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, and for what he did for the Vikings franchise, I, I just don't think you can look past that. So all-time, I would probably have him just outside of the top ten. Uh, I would have... Walter Payton and Barry Sanders as one and one a, I would also have Thurman Thomas and Emmett Smith right there as all around running backs, Ladanian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk. I would also put ahead of him just because of that uh, ability to do absolutely anything on the Mm -hmm. football field where um, Ladanian Tomlinson, Thurman Thomas, Marshall Falk, these guys could go down the field and be receivers anytime you wanted them to be. Uh, unfortunately, OJ has to probably go on the list ahead of Adrian yeah, Peterson. Um, or Where do people put him? In that same ballpark. Uh, he was, for a long time, it was like Jim Brown, OJ. Those are the top two. And then the, that really great uh, class of running backs started coming in the late 80s, including Emmett, Thurman Thomas, Barry Sanders. And those guys took a lot of the top spots away. You know, Emmett is all-time number one. Um, but then he's probably, to me, he's probably in that ballpark of like Curtis Martin, who's a Hall of Famer. Edron James, um, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that same sort of range of how good they were. Because the peak is great, but there's enough flaws where you could say, all right, he's very comparable to someone like Eric Dickerson, who had an amazing peak, but you would never say, oh yeah, he was better than Walter Payton. No, of course not. I think that that would be... You have to look at eras, too, where Walter Payton played. He was the offense. He was everything. That's They ran the ball 40 times a game back in that era. I mean, it's different when Adrian Peterson played, but I still think his value to what the Vikings were having him do late 2000s um, and even beyond that, like I, I just think that that's irreplaceable in what he meant to this franchise. The stats alone, I mean, if you're, what did you say he was, like eighth all-time rushing um, something like that. I mean, I think you have to inclu- include that in there when you Frank, factor in him for Hall of Fame. Frank Gore, actually, uh, I'm surprised by Frank Gore, was actually a better pass catcher than I thought he was when I just pulled this up, that there were times where he had 60 catches, 50 catches pretty regularly. He hasn't always done that, but maybe you know, maybe you've got a decent case there. I think top five is a little too high for him, but fourth all-time in rushing and maybe a little bit better of a receiving option. So anyway... Okay, so there's there's two of our quick hot routes here before we get back into the most and least interesting positions in training camp. If you missed hour one, you can go back and listen on iTunes. Just type in Purple Daily or on the app where we ranked the most interesting at the top. And then we're going to look at some that are just off our radar right now, but always have the potential to end up on the radar in just a minute. Um, but... We'll make this our final hot route because we got into all-time running backs there. Rob Ninkovich is joining your friends at ESPN. He is. I think I already I saw the tweet from Schefter this morning. Yes. So he's going to be an analyst. Um, and I, I'm curious from you, since you've been here, start of 2017 is when you took the job mm-hmm. to cover the Vikings. I did in 2016. Who, in your opinion, that you have covered would make the best broadcaster? Ooh, okay. So Latavius Murray, I can't make him a broadcaster, can I? No, because he was kind of like understated. He didn't have like a big personality. He's just really smart. And I just great brag on him to. because he's such a great guy to the media. Oh, wow. This is a good Media man of the year. Um, Has to be a Viking or anybody? Has to be a Viking that you've covered since you've been here that you think would make the best broadcaster. Like I need like, the Jeopardy music while I think about this. Um, there was no prep for hot routes. Yes, I, I didn't send out the prep email. We were we were actually trying to make this as realistic as possible, um, right? Like you know, you never know when Audible's coming. You change play the line, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. this, is, this, is, this line is a true hot route. And and the preparation you've done is your whole life leading yeah. up to this moment. Um, okay, gun to my head. I'm not going to go with Sam Bradford because I'd fall asleep during that broadcast. Um, Stephen Weatherly. Let's go with him as an analyst. I mean, I think he is one of the most insightful players in that locker room. He is more than, way more than football, believes in a lot of really interesting conspiracy theories that <laughs> I think are always fun to talk to him about uh, yes. on a Friday when they're trying to get out of there. And you kind of just, you know, shoot the breeze with these guys by their locker 
and he's just he's you know just really really smart. And I think he the way he explains football and explains pass rushing and explains how defenses work and what you're looking for. I mean, he makes me smarter every time I talk to him. At least in my it sounds smarter in my articles. So, Stephen Weatherly, uh, you know, call me in a few years when you, when you want to join ESPN. I don't know if I will have any pull for you, but um, <laughs> I will at least forward your name. I think uh, Captain Munnerlin. Sure. In 2016, one of the biggest personalities. He would. He was the media man of the year. He would make a lot of sense. Um, you know who is also really outgoing is Brian O'Neill. Uh, even though he's only in his second year, he just seems to have a joy for talking about the game. Some guys, when you pull them aside, I mean, they'll give you what you're looking for, give you the interview, but they don't always have that, like, I'm really excited to just talk football with you. And Brian O'Neill seems legitimately excited every time you ask him about football. And I think that's what it takes to be an analyst. I'm not sure that every former player really realizes that there's this different element. It's not just that you know the game. It's you have that, to be excited about it, and you have to right. explain it. You know, they say when you write, write to a third-grade level. Uh, you need to explain it to someone who doesn't understand it. Like, you can't be... Tony Romo does a really good job of that. That's why I think he's such an excellent analyst because he'll literally foreshadow what's about to happen, but do it in the most layman's terms possible. And there are a lot of analysts who can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And and there's a lot of them too who can't criticize their teammates. That's one thing I, I would never know from guys here of whether they would rip on their teammates because yeah, they, they don't do that do in that interviews. Here. Right. Um, but, but I think O'Neill would have the potential. I totally agree with you with Stephen Weatherly, a super, super smart guy who could really break it down, but also has a sense of humor as well. So those are, those are your mini hot routes for today because we've got a lot to get to. Um, I'll give you the bottom of my list. It was not quarterback, was not the bottom, the very bottom of my list for most interesting positions. Well, it's it, at the bottom of mine. It was safety for me, is the very bottom. Because there's, they don't have any. Correct. They like have four. <laughs> That's why. And all four are making the roster. Exactly. Good night. Uh, the the very mild interest that I have is to see how much J. Ron Curse plays, but I mean that's that's it, really. Let's talk about why the backup quarterback is not interesting, though. I, I I mentioned this yesterday that I just think between these three backup quarterbacks that their value will be in how much they can bring to scout team, the, how much they can do to help Kirk Cousins, how much they can do on the practice field, et cetera, et cetera. But if Kirk Cousins goes down, they're trading for someone else, right? I mean, you are not in a position to play any of these quarterbacks. And, and even though I get a bunch of notes about Kyle Sno Sloter all the time, like, oh, Kyle Sloter could step right in. The dude has played against fourth string preseason players he has not played against real players and we when we saw that happen last year in camp he was not even in the stratosphere of Kirk Cousins so I think that you're talking about a really poor season if you have to play one of those two quarterbacks and so it doesn't really matter to me yeah. I mean it's it'll be fun to watch from camp because quarterbacks easy to watch from the sideline for who's playing well and who isn't but aside from that this backup quarterback battle just doesn't matter. And that's why in my roster projection that I do in the beginning of camp, and we'll do another one before actual cut-down day, I don't see a need for them keeping more than two quarterbacks on the roster. The whole three-quarterback, fill out your room, have your clear-cut starter, your trusted or at least reliable backup, and then your developmental guy. Why does this team need a developmental guy when you have a quarterback who has a fully guaranteed contract for two more years this year, this season, and next season? I don't see the reason to do it. Um, Sean Mannion, if there was anybody who I guess you could say took the biggest step in spring, it's probably him. But is that really based on what he did on the field? Probably not. I mean, he played, with Sean, he played in a Sean McVay system. They are probably tapping his brain, trying to figure out some concepts that they can utilize here. I mean, the overlap between what he and Kirk Cousins know uh, as far as you know, system-wide I think is very beneficial to his case of making this roster and being the number two. But I, just, I think that there are too many other positions of need on this roster to 
waste a spot on another quarterback that is never going to even be active. What you could do is keep Kirk Cousins, keep Sean Mannion, give Sloter a chance when you cut him. I mean, he can go compete for a backup somewhere else. Like, I know that there is a huge Kyle Sloter fan base here, um, and kind of, you know, he's kind of this, like, cult favorite, like the Audi Cole of a few years ago. Yeah, and, yes. Um, you know, people want to... Taylor Heineke. Taylor people Heineke. love the number three quarterback. They want to see this guy succeed, so okay, let's let him go somewhere else and actually get to compete for a backup job, because I just don't think he's going to get to do it here. Um, with Jake Browning, though, if they can sneak him onto the practice squad, I think they're going to want to, given they guaranteed him quite a bit of money on that contract that he signed. They brought him here for a reason. If he's on the practice squad, has a year to develop, um, you know, is maybe just your emergency option next year, like, then that's not the worst thing in the world. No, but not worth spending no. a whole lot of time breaking down. And uh, the point about the number three quarterback and keeping three, I entirely agree with you that there are just too many good players that you have to try to fit into 53 somehow and at, at several different positions where we've talked about they have depth and there's going to be these huge battles there. Well, you want to keep everybody you can at those positions. If you get to the number three quarterback in a season, it's over. The season is over. It's not happening anymore. I mean, look at Washington last year. They're, they're playing Josh Johnson at one point, and their season just goes in the trash can, even though they had been pretty decent with Alex Smith, because that's how it always works. I would love to know how many teams ever have gotten to their number three quarterback and made the playoffs at any time. It's probably 1% of teams that get to their number three quarterback. So what's the purpose of keeping a number three? I, I, I don't see any need for it. You stick somebody on the practice squad. I think, can Sloter go on the practice squad still? I don't know if he can. I think he um. can. Because he's never played in a real game. No, he hasn't. Um, but he's been active. He's been times. active a couple times. Maybe. I don't. I don't know exactly. I'd have to refresh myself on usually that's right before cut down day i go back and look when i'm making my final 53 okay what are the rules for practice squad but if it's jake browning oh well right then it's jake browning on the practice you already squad. you already paid him so it's fine like you got him here um he'll make the salary that he makes at the practice squad and it's it's really no harm no foul i think with a guy like floater um if you're if you're even able to put him on the practice squad what's the point because don't you think you would have given this guy his opportunity before? Like, he would have shown you enough in three years. Right. So, right, what's the point of even putting him on yeah. the practice squad? You should know by the end of this whether Kyle Sloter is the guy or not the guy. Uh, let's take a break here, and I want to get your reaction to some of the quotes in the Mike Sando piece, because Judd and I talked about it yesterday, but uh, you were texting me about it, so I know you have takes. And also what Rick Spielman said about Kirk Cousins today that I thought was kind of an interesting mindset to be taking with Kirk Cousins in year two as Minnesota Vikings quarterback. We'll take a break. Join Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, Rami Maklov, Judd, Rami Maklov, Judd Zolgad, and former Minnesota twin Glenn Perkins for a special recording of the Score North Twin Show, Glenn Perkins on Baseball, Tuesday, August 6th, beginning at 5 p.m. for Modest Brewing Company in Minneapolis. All attendees will receive one complimentary beer, courtesy of Modest Brewing Company, with prize giveaways throughout the night. The event is free, but you must register to attend. Register now at scorenorth.com slash Glenn, G-L-E-N. Join me and Dan Terhar for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and Vancouver Whitecaps this Saturday night with pregame at 6.30, kickoff at 7, right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. Welcome back. Hour number two of Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here as well. The Vikings in camp and life is very exciting now that football has begun. Almost everyone around the league getting going in training camp. And Friday, the veterans will be on the field for the first time. Sunday, the pads begin officially They begin popping. popping. Oh, yeah. They will be popping. Pop, pop. You know what I can't wait also for camp cliches is when they've practiced for a few days and there's a preseason game coming and someone says, yeah, I just can't wait to get out there and hit somebody else. Yeah, that's my. Uh, it's good to get them out there so they're like going against somebody else. Good to see another team. Good yeah. to see another team. Um, one thing we should really think about, like what's going to be the camp drama this year? Oh, I don't In terms know. of, I mean, th this team has had some unfortunate drama, but right. like I'm talking Rhodes and, or excuse me, yeah, Diggs yeah, and Rhodes getting yeah. kicked out of camp last year, and then Diggs chucked the ball like 15 yards into the stands. <laughs> and um, what's the other one that happened? Um, Aviat um, Collins punched Devontae Downs in the helmet because yes. that was a smart idea. Yes. Um, 
do we have candidates for a camp fight? There's always one every single year. It was Anton Exum and Laquan, Laquan Treadwell two years ago. Who is going to be the candidate for the camp fight? Hmm. Maybe you could p- pick position versus position. I mean, it's always like a lineman versus a linebacker or something, right? But but maybe not because it was a wide receiver and a, and a safety before. I don't know. Who's fiery? Like, I don't think Laquan Treadwell is going to get into it with anyone. I would love to see... I could, I could see Rhodes getting into it with somebody again. I could Just see hope he that. doesn't get hurt from it because this could be really bad. Maybe this is the year that we see, like, Mackenzie Alexander sort of come out of his shell a little bit and get real physical with one of the younger wide receivers. I'm going to go Mackenzie Alexander and B.C. Johnson. Because I don't know anything about B.C. Johnson. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, do I have to take Dylan Mitchell then? Because I was talking, I was hyping B.C. up earlier, and then you took Dylan Mitchell. That's I'll take thing. Dylan Mitchell here. We, I think we forgot to like officially plant our flags for yeah. Team B.C. is you and Team Mitchell is me. And that's... I know people are going to be like, well, why are you picking it now? It's day one of training. So we can yell at each other about it. I mean, that makes for good radio, don't get me wrong. But, um, I mean, we need to pick our Mr. Mankato picks. Are we picking separate things? I'm just kind of confused as to what the process is here. I I think what we're doing here, this is not Mr. Mankato. That's a much bigger production, and that will happen later this week. We're but, trying to recreate Boone Thomas. Right. That's Fine. what we're that's what we're doing is Then it has to be among the seventh round receivers because that's the only valid um le- level playing field. Well, it's kind of like the Rodney Adams Stacy Coley from a couple years ago. When they draft two players at the exact same position, you know that both of them probably aren't going to end up playing and being on the roster long term. So we should just pick one and then randomly root for that guy. Plus I talked to Penny Hardaway who Yeah, I mean that is that's pretty amazing. Yeah, he knows Dylan Mitchell really well, and it's amazing. Because he played on Penny's AAU team. Correct, and it was amazing to talk to Penny Hardaway, so I'm just going to have him be my guy. Anyway, we'll be tracking that closely, I suppose, throughout the offseason. Uh, abbreviated hot routes here. I want to throw a couple of headlines at you and some, some thoughts and get your reactions. Uh, and then we'll get back to the list that we were talking about and talk about the least interesting position in training camp because I think it will surprise people which one we totally agree on as being the least interesting. Um, but quick, quick hot routes here. Adrian Peterson apparently is deep in debt. Which it's like Kanye West level in debt right now. He's been paid more than any other running back in the history of the National Football League, but he is in debt and his lawyer put something out saying that he trusted the wrong people and so forth. My question for you is not about his debt necessarily, but is this it for Adrian Peterson? Because I will admit that I was among the many who thought, I think he's done after last year, after the fiasco in New Orleans, and then he has one or two good games with Arizona, but that was it. I didn't think anyone was going to give him much of a chance, and he ends up, I think he went over a 1,000 yards with Washington last year because they had no quarterback. Is he going to be any good this year? Like, Do you have any expectation at all for what Adrian Peterson is going to be? Well, I think the one thing that you need to factor in there is Darius Geis is healthy. Like, what's that backfield going to look like? Chris Thompson's there, too. I mean, they've got quite a bit of running backs. Um, I wouldn't count Adrian out, though, because every time we do, he rushes for 1,000 yards. I think this year, did he knock his total down to, like, 1,500 yards? Wasn't it like, I want to be a 2,000-yard receiver? At oh, age? yeah, it's usually, like, I want to be the first 3,000-yard yeah. runner or something. Yeah, and then would... I think he actually said He's 34 years, years old. Like, yeah. it's not going to happen this year. Sorry, Adrian. He said a few years ago he wanted 2,500 yards, which is Okay, that's absurd. what it was. Then he um, was going to play for seven more years, which he might. I mean, he could be. He could he very easily that. be the Tom Brady of the running back position. Probably not. <laughs> I uh, guess so. it'd be very hard to get to nearly fifty and be playing that position with your body the way it is. But as we found out, his body is made of steel. Um, I think this is a weird situation uh, with the financial stuff that's going to go on. I mean, that's going to require some attention. But realistically. I think this will probably be it for Adrian Peterson. You don't see guys ever at this age being that productive. And I mean, they like they they drafted Darius Geis where they drafted him because they expected him to be the future of that backfield. It just was unfortunate in the you know last year when he tore his ACL the way he did and how early it was that they never got to see him. So they lucked out with Adrian last year and the production that he had. I mean, but think about the injuries he sustained. Um, if I'm not, 
I remember that Saints game. Did he not get hurt in the Saints game? Um, there was one game that I remember being like, geez, you cannot take that type of hit at your age anymore. And it's like, how many more of those are going to happen? And he's how, how is he going to be able to react from that? So I will go out and say it's probably it for him. But if I'm wrong, I'll eat my words. Okay, follow-up hot route on that. Where does Adrian rank all-time running backs for you? Um, when you factor in the fact that he was pretty one-dimensional but had an unbelievable peak, went over 2,000 yards, should easily go in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, I would think, for Adrian Peterson because he was such a dominant player and the rare running back who could play for as long as he could play. But I don't put him in the top five or top ten. I have him top ten, and I think that... Frank Gore's still playing, right? Or did he retire? No, he's still playing. So, he's in Buffalo. So yeah, so I mean, he's in my top five, and I think it's kind of really? yeah, I think it's kind of crazy where you have two ever. Who else would you put above him? Wow, I mean Smith, Walter Payton, so I th- Barry I, Sanders. I think of Frank Gore as being the ultimate Hall of Very Good, but played for super long and has these incredible running stats, but was never really that great. I mean, maybe I underappreciate how good he was with San Francisco because he was a legit superstar, but that's just my first impression of Frank Gore is just, hey, very good, very good player, Hall of Very Good type of guy, but I'm not even sure in my mind that he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I have him in my top five. That's just where I'm at. I mean, I'm looking at it from well, He's fourth produ- all-time in yards. Yeah, production. He's still playing. How is He's older than Peterson, isn't he? She's uh, yes, 36 yeah. or 37, yeah. something like that. Um, I'll go ahead and say Adrian's in my top 10. I don't exactly know where I'd put him. I'd put him in like the LaDainian Tomlinson category. Maybe Eric Dickerson's in there somewhere. Um, the problem was when Adrian was a running back at his prime, you know, drafted in 07 in those like first like five, six years. I mean, the, the era of pass catching backs did not really become a thing until right. he kind of missed the boat on that. And I get why the Vikings didn't want to bring him back two years ago um, and why Dalvin Cook is, you know, if all things go the way he expects them to with his health, he'll finally be able to take the reins fully um, and and show why they drafted him and show why they moved on from Adrian Peterson because he's versatile. And there's one thing with Adrian Peterson, he's a one-trick pony. But I still don't think that means that you can rule him out of your top ten just in terms of production, value. He was this offense here Mm -hmm. for a long time. Um, And... For what he did for the Vikings franchise, I I just don't think you can look past that. So all time, I would probably have him just outside of the top 10. Uh, I would have Walter Payton and Barry Sanders as 1 and 1A. I would also have Thurman Thomas and Emmitt Smith right there as all-around running backs. LaDainian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk, I would also put ahead of him just because of that uh, ability to do absolutely anything on the mm-hmm. football field where um, LaDainian Tomlinson, Thurman Thomas, Marshall Falk, these guys could go down the field and be receivers anytime you wanted them to be. Uh, unfortunately, OJ has to probably go on the list ahead of Adrian yeah, Peterson. Um, or where do people put him? In that same ballpark. Uh, he was for a long time. It was like Jim Brown, OJ. Those are the top two. And then the, that really great, uh, class of running backs started coming in the late 80s, including Emmett, Thurman Thomas, Barry Sanders. And those guys took a lot of the top spots away. You know, Emmett is all time number one. Um, but then he's probably, to me, he's probably in that ballpark of like Curtis Martin, who's a Hall of Famer. Edron James, um, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that same sort of range of how good they were, because the peak is great, but there's enough flaws where you could say, all right, he's very comparable to someone like Eric Dickerson, who had an amazing peak, but you would never say, oh, yeah, he was better than Walter Payton. No, of course not. I think that that would be... You have to look at eras, too. Where Walter Payton played, he was the offense. He was everything. That's They ran the ball 40 times a game back in that era. It was different when Adrian Peterson played, but I still think his value to what the Vikings were having him do late 2000s um, and even beyond that, like I, I just think that that's irreplaceable in what he meant to this franchise. The stats alone, I mean, if you're, what did you say he was, like eighth all-time rushing? Um, something like that. I mean, I think you have to inclu- include that in there when you Frank, factor in him for Hall of Fame. Frank Gore, actually, uh, I'm surprised by Frank Gore was actually a better pass catcher than I thought he was when I just pulled this up, that there were times where he had 
60 catches, 50 catches pretty regularly. He hasn't always done that, but maybe you know, maybe you've got a decent case there. I think top five is a little too high for him, but fourth all time in rushing and maybe a little bit better of a receiving option. So anyway, okay, so there's there's two of our quick hot routes here before we get back into the most and least interesting positions in training camp. If you missed hour one, you can go back and listen on iTunes. Just type in Purple Daily or on the app where we ranked the most interesting at the top. And then we're going to look at some that are just off our radar right now, but always have the potential to end up on the radar in just a minute. Um, But we'll make this our final hot route because we got into all-time running backs there. Rob Ninkovich is joining your friends at ESPN. He is. I think I already saw the tweet from Schefter this morning. Yes. So he's going to be an analyst. um, And I'm curious from you, since you've been here, Start of 2017 is when you took the job Mm -hmm. to cover the Vikings. I did in 2016. Who, in your opinion, that you have covered would make the best broadcaster? Okay. So Latavius Murray, I can't make him a broadcaster, can I? No, because he was kind of... Like understated, he didn't have like a big personality. He's just really smart. And I just great brag on to. him because he's such a great guy to the media. Oh wow, this is a good media big man of the year. Um, has to be a Viking or anybody. Has to be a Viking that you've covered since you've been here that you think would make the best broadcaster. Like I need like the Jeopardy music while I think about this. Um. There was no prep for hot routes. Yes, I, I didn't send out the prep email. We were we were actually trying to make this as realistic as possible, um, right? Like you know, you never know when Audible's coming. You just change play the line, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. This, is, this, is, this, this is a scrimmage. true hot route. And and the preparation you've done is your whole life leading yeah. up to this moment. Um, okay, gun to my head. I'm not going to go with Sam Bradford because I'd fall asleep during that broadcast. Um. Stephen Weatherly, let's go with him as an analyst. I mean, I think he is one of the most insightful players in that locker room. He is more than, way more than football, believes in a lot of really interesting conspiracy theories that <laughs> I think are always fun to talk to him about uh, yes. on a Friday when they're trying to get out of there. And you kind of just, you know, shoot the breeze with these guys by their locker. And he's just, he's, you know, just really, really smart. And I think he, the way he explains football and explains pass rushing and explains how defenses work and what you're looking for, I mean, he makes me smarter every time I talk to him. At least in my, it sounds smarter in my articles. So, Stephen Weatherly, uh, you know, call me in a few years when you, when you want to join ESPN. I don't know if I will have any pull for you, but <laughs> um, I will at least forward your name. I think uh, Captain Munnerlin. Sure. In 2016, one of the biggest personalities. He would. He was the media man of the year. He would make a lot of sense. Um, you know who is also really outgoing is Brian O'Neill. Uh, even though he's only in his second year, he just seems to have a joy for talking about the game. Some guys, when you pull them aside, I mean, they'll give you what you're looking for, give you the interview, but they don't always have that, like, I'm really excited to just talk football with you. And Brian O'Neill seems legitimately excited every time you ask him about football. And I think that's what it takes to be an analyst. I'm not sure that every former player really realizes that there's this different element. It's not just that you know the game. It's you have that, to be excited about it, and you have to right. explain it. You know, they say when you write, write to a third-grade level. Uh, you need to explain it to someone who doesn't understand it. Like, you can't be... Tony Romo does a really good job of that. That's why I think he's such an excellent analyst, because he'll literally foreshadow what's about to happen, but do it in the most layman's terms possible. And there are a lot of analysts who can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And and there's a lot of them, too, who can't criticize their teammates. That's one thing I, I would never know from guys here, of whether they would rip on their teammates, because yeah, they, they don't do that do in that interviews. Here. Right. Um, but, but I think O'Neal would have the potential. I totally agree with you with Stephen Weatherly, a super, super smart guy who could really break it down, but also has a sense of humor as well. So those are, those are your mini hot routes for today because we've got a lot to get to. Um, I'll give you the bottom of my list. It was not quarterback, was not the bottom, the very bottom of my list for most interesting positions. Well, it's at the bottom of mine. It was safety for me is the very bottom. Because there's, they don't have any. Correct. They like have four. <laughs> That's why. And all four are making the roster. Exactly. Good uh, night. The the very mild interest that I have is to see how much J. Ron Curse plays, but I mean that's that's it, really. Let's talk about why the backup quarterback is not interesting though. I, I, I mentioned this yesterday that I just think 
between these three backup quarterbacks that their value will be in how much they can bring to scout team, how much they can do to help Kirk Cousins, how much they can do on the practice field, et cetera, et cetera. But if Kirk Cousins goes down, they're trading for someone else, right? I mean, you are not in a position to play any of these quarterbacks. And even though I get a bunch of notes about Kyle Sloter all the time, like, oh, Kyle Sloter could step right in. The dude has played against fourth string preseason players. He has not played against real players. And we, when we saw that happen last year in camp, he was not even in the stratosphere of Kirk Cousins. So I think that you're talking about a really poor season if you have to play one of those two quarterbacks. And so it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. I mean, it's it'll be fun to watch from camp because quarterback's easy to watch from the sideline for who's playing well and who isn't. But aside from that, this backup quarterback battle just doesn't matter. And that's why in my roster projection that I do in the beginning of camp and we'll do another one before actual cut-down day, I don't see a need for them keeping more than two quarterbacks on the roster. The whole three quarterback, fill out your room, have your clear-cut starter, your trusted or at least reliable backup, and then your developmental guy. Why does this team need a developmental guy when you have a quarterback who has a fully guaranteed contract for two more years this year, this season and next season? I don't see the reason to do it. Um, Sean Mannion, if there was anybody who I guess you could say – took the biggest step in spring it's probably him but is that really based on what he did on the field probably not i mean he played with sean he played in a sean mcveigh system they are probably tapping his brain trying to figure out some concepts that they can utilize here i mean the overlap between what he and kirk cousins know uh, as far as you know system wide i think is very beneficial to his case of making this roster and being the number two but I just I think that there are too many other positions of need on this roster to waste a spot on another quarterback that is never going to even be active. What you could do is keep Kirk Cousins, keep Sean Mannion, give Sloter a chance when you cut him. I mean, he can go compete for a backup somewhere else. Like I know that there is a huge Kyle Sloter fan base here, um, and kind of you know he's kind of this like cult favorite, like the Audi Cole of a few years ago. Uh, and, yes, um, you know people want Taylor to, Heineke. Taylor people Heineke love the number three quarterback. They want to see this guy succeed. So okay, let's let him go somewhere else and actually get to compete for a backup job. Because I just don't think he's going to get to do it here. Um, with Jake Browning, though, if they can sneak him onto the practice squad, I think they're going to want to, given they guaranteed him quite a bit of money on that contract that he signed. They brought him here for a reason. If he's on the practice squad, has a year to develop, um, you know, is maybe just your emergency option next year, like, then that's not the worst thing in the world. No, but not worth spending no. a whole lot of time breaking down. And uh, the point about the number three quarterback and keeping three, I entirely agree with you that there are just too many good players that you have to try to fit into 53 somehow and at, at several different positions where we've talked about they have depth and there's going to be these huge battles there. Well, you want to keep everybody you can at those positions. If you get to the number three quarterback in a season, it's over. The season is over. It's not happening anymore. I mean, look at Washington last year. They're, they're playing Josh Johnson at one point, and their season just goes in the trash can, even though they had been pretty decent with Alex Smith, because that's how it always works. I would love to know how many teams ever have gotten to their number three quarterback and made the playoffs at any time. It's probably 1% of teams that get to their number three quarterback. So what's the purpose of keeping a number three? I, I, I don't see any need for it. You stick somebody on the practice squad. I think, can Sloter go on the practice squad still? I don't know if he can. I think he um. can. Because he's never played in a real game. No, he hasn't. Um, but he's been active. He's been times. active a couple times. Maybe. I don't. I don't know exactly. I'd have to refresh myself on usually that's right before cut down day i go back and look when i'm making my final 53 okay what are the rules for practice squad but if it's jake browning oh well right then it's jake browning on the practice you already, squad. you already paid him so it's fine like you got him here um he'll make the salary that he makes at the practice squad and it's it's really no harm no foul i think with a guy like floater um if you're if you're even able to put him on the practice squad what's the point because don't you think you would have given this guy his opportunity before? Like, he would have shown you enough in three years. Right. So, right, what's the point of even putting him on yeah. the practice squad? You should know by the end of this whether Kyle Sloter is the guy or not the guy. Uh, let's take a break here, and I want to get your reaction to some of the quotes in the Mike Sando piece, because Judd and I talked about it yesterday, but uh, you were texting me about it, so I know you have takes. And also what Rick Spielman said about Kirk Cousins today that I thought – was kind of an interesting mindset 
to be taking with Kirk Cousins in year two as Minnesota Vikings quarterback. We'll take a break. We Jonathan here with the Score North download. This download brought to you by MyPillow News. Coming down just about 20 minutes ago that Holton Hill will have a second set of four games that he suspended for for the upcoming season. Three months ago, he was he was suspended for violating the league's policy on performance enhancing enhancing substances. And just recently, he was he was suspended by the NFL again for violating the NFL's policy on substances of abuse. So that is the first eight games of the season that the Vikings will be without Holton Hill. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, we're back here. One last segment on Purple Daily. It is Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. I can guarantee you they will be talking Yankees and Twins and the big win big, for the big Minnesota triple Twins. play. I know. Even I, I know about that. When's, okay, how often does that happen? Um, twins. When was the last time the Twins did that? So triple plays happen a couple times a year. I don't know when the last Twins one was. An unassisted triple play is more rare than a perfect game, if I'm not mistaken. But the regular triple play, it happens from time to time. What an exciting game, though. Yeah. I mean, what was it, eight dingers between the two teams? I mean, we figured this would be a home run festival, and uh, it was. But... You and I are focused on football now, and I just want to go position by position because we were talking about the most interesting overall, and I want you to rapid fire, throw me a name for each position that you are the most intrigued by, okay? Okay. So let us just start with quarterback of the non-Kirk Cousins, who are you most intrigued by? Okay, that's your answer. The answer is none. All right, moving on. Running back. I am the most intrigued by Amir Abdullah, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because not only he's going to have a role on special teams here. We know that for a fact. Like, he is going to be a returner. Marwan Malouf has talked about that. I think he might actually be able to get back to where he was that first and second, well, second season, um, or rookie season, wherever he had the most explosive season of his career because he was a good returner. They need... One thing they didn't have last year is that change of pace guy. I mean, they had Latavius Murray, who shouldered a big-time load once Dalvin Cook went down. When Cook went back, it was kind of a two-back show. Not, I wouldn't call it a two-back system because Murray's you know minutes certainly declined. But what? Who's going to be Jarek McKinnon this year? Who's going? You know, what can he provide the passing game? Are they going to have potentially two running backs out there at once? Um, you know, I, I think that that could be really interesting just because. Will he be this year's Marcus Sherrills, a position player in name only and only have a role on special teams, or how will they use him in the run game? That was not rapid fire. Get a rapid fire. Oh, fine. Rapid fire. Wait, so should, are you including fullback as its own position, or should I have included CJ Ham in there? Because now I kind of want to like redo the segment and start over. Okay, running back. I gave you. Oh wait, it's fine. Just forget it. I thought you were gonna say CJ Ham. Fine, CJ Ham, because I'm excited for them to use like really heavy personnel packages. Go. <laughs> Okay. Remember, remember, remember. Rapid, rapid fire. Rapid fire. Uh, you have to yell uh, at me. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I know. Got to keep you in line. Uh, anyway, uh, wide receiver. Rapid fire. Jordan Taylor. Okay. That was pretty rapid. Um, what? Why? Like, you brought him in here from Denver. Must be a Coobs uh, WWGD. What would Gary do? Right. Maybe Gary you brought would keep him in here. Jordan Taylor. So I think he makes the roster, but I don't know a single thing about him, and I am curious as to what he will provide the receiving core. All right. Tight end. Irv Smith. Easy pick. Um, don't know how much is he's going to need to be relied on with Kyle Rudolph back. I think it's actually more beneficial for him to have Kyle Rudolph here. But uh, what does he become? Offensive line. Um, rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. Um, Avian Collins. Okay, interesting pick. You know, swing tackle. Um, you know, they don't have any depth at the tackle position. I feel like picking Avian Collins is just going so deep into training camp, and I wasn't ready for it. It's okay. like this is this is day one. I mean, I have to work up to this potential swing tackle being an interesting player. I mean, Jeremiah Searles is one of your favorite offensive linemen of all um, time, and they have never been me, able to. One of yours as well. It's absolutely one of mine. He'll be I, a broadcaster when he's done. Oh, we God, talked yeah. about that earlier. Absolutely, he's he is cut out for that without question. He's fantastic. Um. Yeah, I mean, they have no depth at the tackle position, so what could he provide if he's fully healthy this season, doesn't have the elbow injury? Okay, let me give mine. You you yell at me rapid fire. Rapid fire! Okay. 
Go ahead. Quarterback. Uh, I'll go. Um, I'll go. Sean Mannion to see if he can hold off Slaughter. I guess. Running back. <laughs> that was too. That's too rapid. Um, running back for me is Mike Boone. Like, does he have a role here? We know they're going to play Alexander Madison, but Boone is a intriguing athlete. So, can he be that guy who lines up at wide receiver sometimes, or the change of pace, the scat back? Ooh. Ah, yeah. Football. Wide receiver. Uh, wide receiver. Why, do, why am I using it's, this voice? This I, I have so no weird. idea, but I kind of want to use it because now, Because this, this is the Hot Routes voice that you do. Because remember when I did Hot Routes that one time, the one opportunity you gave me, and there were people who were like, never let her do yes. it again? I know. Because you started using like granola bars or whatever it as, was an inside as joke. Hot Routes. Yes, Nobody's I know. using I the name of like... <laughs> NFL films extraordinaire <laughs> 1980 running backs like you always do. Disagree. I just disagree. Um, what is it? Wide receiver? Wide receiver. Um, I will just, I'll go with my guy that I've planted the flag. I'll go Dylan Mitchell because of his really exceptional production at Oregon and his pure athletic ability, but we don't know if he really wants it or not. And we're going to start to figure that out. Offensive line or tight end. Tight end. I will go Tyler Conklin. Are you sure. making the team? I, I mean, because he got a shout out from Mike Zimmer at the end of minicamp. He's like, hey, don't forget about Tyler Conklin. Yeah, wasn't and that like the day after forgetting they, his name? Uh, yeah, they kind of liked him, I think, last year a little bit. And are they going to keep four tight ends? So I, I'm going to be watching Tyler Conklin a bit. O line. I'll just, I'll go straight, straight up here. I'm not going deep off the edge here. I'm going Garrett Bradbury, okay. right? I mean, a rookie in a starting position in a really, really tough division. Just going to go straight up Garrett Bradbury. All right, real quick, let's run through the defense. Most intriguing player, defensive line. Rep fight. Rapid. Boom, boom. Hercules Mata'afa. Okay. Can you play a three, t- t- three technique in the NFL? I like it. Linebacker, anybody? Any- ah, you don't- Eric no. Wilson. Eric Wilson, okay. for sure. All right. For sure. He's probably yours, too, so we can just skip that one. Is he a rotational player? Yeah. Yeah, and since we're running, he should out of beat time, out Ben Gideon. I mean, but Ben plays a different role, and whatever, it's a topic for another day. I think Weatherly is mine. Like, can he emerge as more than just somebody who filled in a little bit last year? Okay. Uh, for the defensive line, I don't have one for the linebacker. I mean, Eric Wilson. Go ahead and say Eric. I'll, Wilson. I'll go with Eric Wilson. That's right. fine. Okay. Coming up next, it's Mackie and Judd with Rami here on Score North. If you missed any of the show, iTunes, Spotify, wherever the hell you get hey, your podcasts. Hey Alexa, oh, turn on Score yeah. North. Okay, all right, we're done. We'll be back. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.